Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we're talking about a popular TV series five episodes at a time. I'm Tyler. <laughs> and I'm the pointy end. Uh, I, I meant the pen that I, I used to fill out the score sheet, you know, keep up with, with our, our grades. This is a family podcast, okay? I didn't mean it to be dirty. I mean, I'm Alex. And I'm the dirty one, Britain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so we are continuing our sudden uh, transition to a Game of Thrones podcast for some indeterminable amount of time, um, and this week we're talking about five more episodes, still on season one. Uh, what was what was your guys' overall impressions of the the back half of season one? Feel I liked it a lot. I'm I might have liked it more than the first half, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I've seen I've seen it before, but yeah, I I was really into this this batch. Yeah, hot take. First season of uh, Game of Thrones is a uh, is pretty good, pretty pretty <laughs> solid start. Well, I hope I hope it ends just as well. It ends just as well, right, Tyler? I mean, depends on who you ask. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a good it's a good transition because uh, the, our good friends at IMDb do agree with with the both of you. Um, so basically what we've got here, we've got episodes 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Um, the first three were directed by Daniel Minahan. Uh, these have a 9.2, a 9.2, and a 9.0. That is a golden crown, you win or you die, and the pointy end. And then our, our last two, which is, is really, I think, where the the series as a whole steps up its game, are uh, Baylor and Fire and Blood, both of which directed by Alan Taylor of uh, Thor the Dark World fame, as well as Terminator Genesis. I, I, I thought you were going to leave that out. <laughs> uh, and Mad Men. Correct. Uh, Baylor has a 9.6, and then Fire and Blood, the finale, has a 9.5. Um, really, I think, establishes the formula of do, do the big knockout episode uh, right before the end, and then have an episode to kind of cool off uh, at the end of the season and, and figure out where to go next. Um these were all written by our, our boys D&D, uh, except for they, they wrote episode six, The Golden Crown, with Jane Espenson. Um, apparently she was doing some freelance work. I don't really know how that happened because, like, it's, it's a, the actual credits are story by D&D, teleplay by Jane Espenson and D&D. And apparently she was just, I guess they just brought her in. She One of the few yeah. female writers the show has. Um uh, she, I think, was involved in Buffy the Vampire Slayer quite a bit. Huh. Maybe maybe one of the producers on that, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and has just done a lot of other various TV work. So, that was interesting. Um, I that mentioned was the that first one. episode of the, of the season to not have a sex scene in it. Sure. <laughs> Which is notable. Um, I mentioned Alan Taylor has some, some infamous movie credits. Uh, he is actually, like... A prestige television director. Um, he's done Game of Thrones. He's done. Ooh, let me pull up his credits. Uh, he's. You mentioned Mad Men, Britain, um, but he's done a bunch mm-hmm. of other stuff too. Uh, is it The Sopranos, West Wing, Lost? Um, he's, he's, he's a he's a big he's a big name. Um, Daniel Minahan has also done a lot of stuff. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, he actually did apparently the Deadwood movie, 
and directed some oh, of the wow. original episodes of Deadwood. Um, so he's been around, uh, probably not quite as like high profile stuff. Apparently, he's also done like Grey's Anatomy <laughs> and things like that. Huh. Um, he did an episode of The Good Wife, which Britton, I know you've been telling us off the off the podcast recently. You've been real into. <laughs> Yep, been dipping into that. The dad might have smoked crack. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's our <laughs> It's batch. a great show uh, to watch affluent white people not know what things are. <laughs> um, but all of those across the board, uh, the, the first half of the season, we had seasons, or episode one and episode five tied at 9.1 on, on the old IMDb boards. Uh, this batch of episodes, all of them are above that, except for season one, episode eight, the pointy end. Oh, which I forgot to mention is our first George R. R. Martin written episode. Yes. Um, yes. So that's, uh, he will do, I think a handful, I think four, he just mm. does like one a season for these first few seasons. And then he's like, oh crap, they're catching up with me. Um, so <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's our set here. Um, Britain, do you have your... Worst and best episodes already chosen here. Do you want to go first or throw it to me? Yeah, no, Tyler, I do. Um, yeah, I can go first. <laughs> so this this is like, I don't know. This is a really tough one um, because I liked all of them very much, and they all have stuff that I really liked. Ugh, um, I think my, my, my worst is probably going to be a toss-up between 6 and 10. Golden Crown and Fire and Blood, only mm. because I feel like they had the fewest like scenes that I liked, mm. which doesn't mean that I disliked the scenes that were in them. It's just like they had yeah. the lowest impact on me. But like you said, Game of Thrones, like that was their idea: is the finale of each season is to cool off, but also like plant something for the next season. And the yeah. the, the last scene in this uh, episode is great when Daenerys shows up and there's dragons climbing around and squeaking and squawking and whatnot um squeaking squawking but, you know and, and uh, peeping and popping but <laughs> um but other than that it's mostly a like okay let's you know let's just kind of get everybody into position for sure. for uh uh season two um though it does introduce alex's favorite character lami Greenhands. So that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and Hot is Pie, that, probably the, the most... Hmm? I was just going to ask, is that the same episode that introduces Tywin, just out of curiosity? No, it is not. Uh, Lami Darn pops it. in at the very at the, the end. With Tywin Hot Pie. Is... With her boy Hot Pie. With oh, Hot Pie, right. the most deliciously named character in the show. Correct. We've never had a more deliciously named character than this. <laughs> <laughs> Although... If you spelled it a certain way, delicious Targaryen could be canonical. Sure. <laughs> and then the dragon named after him, Delicio. Um, so That's there's those. Bad. I'm going to give best episode. I'm going to give it to Pointy End. Um, I think that one uh-huh. had the most... Th- that has some of my favorite moments in season one. And I think... Getting Martin in and D and D are great at working in like at this point when they can still just pull from the books and really depend on the books. Like 
they do a great job streamlining and incorporating things. But here I think we got a few little extra pieces from the book, which I appreciated. Mm-hmm. But my favorite parts of that episode, just off the top of my head, are Serio uh, Pharrell's Last Stand, which is so good. Serio mm-hmm. is so good. He's such a great character. And that that scene where he bests four Lannister soldiers yeah. in full armor with a wooden sword is just fantastic. It's mm-hmm. it's such a great noble departure for him. And um the first sword of Bravos does not flee, all that kind of stuff is fantastic. Which is also uh, and the I other believe where we introduce not today as a yes, as a motif, yeah. a, a recurring theme. Um yeah, I, th- I think he had mentioned that, like the quote happens previously, but I think oh, that's it when it like actually yeah, appears you're right, you're right. in, that's in Golden thematically relevant. Yeah, and that's wonderful, and uh, I just thought that was great. My other, the other moment that I really sticks out to me in that episode is when Barristan stands up to everybody and then just walks mm-hmm. out <laughs> in like the coolest way. I, I'm such yeah. a fan of that character, and I love because it's one of the rare moments in this in the series when like. Even Cersei is like, no, you're actually pretty cool. (laughs) Because that all starts with her being like, you've been really great, and so we're just going to let you go be rich and safe. And he's like, no, I I should stay. And she's like, no, really, we want you to be safe. Like, even Cersei can't deny how great Barristan is. And then, of course, he leaves. And I think it's supposedly, like, a bunch of guys tries to stop him, and he, like, kills them without... A weapon or something. It's something awesome. Talk about in the but, uh, in the books or in the show. I think in the books they talk about it like, yes, you know, Sebastian fled. Our men tried to stop him, but he unarmed was able to dispatch with all of them or some something. Just like, like when they find Tyrese in the gymnasium in the Walking Dead comics. <laughs> it's like, yeah. What? Um. um well, that's yeah, I just love both of them. Yeah, that that scene in particular definitely stood out to me because it's like a great. It's it's both the one of the first instances we get of Cersei kind of doing this uh, court appearance where she kind of is like, ah, yes, I'm very respectful and nobody can take my words incorrectly, but also I'm definitely doing something bad. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I really really love how that scene, uh, Barristan is like trying to storm out and then i i, th- I think it's it's either little finger various uh makes a snide remark about like ah oh, you're gonna be a naked knight because you're throwing all your armor off and then he like and everyone kind of laughs and then he pulls his sword out and threatens like the entire king's guard and is and they're all yep. like oh never mind it's fine and then he leaves <laughs> oh it's good because he, yeah, he's like completely surrounded he's like you all know that i could destroy you and yeah. they're like yeah we know <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Say it. <laughs> and then they all, everyone's just kind of like, "Okay, never mind." Yeah, he's yeah. I I love that bit. Um, yeah, because I mean, again, like all these episodes are so. Since every episode tackles so many plot lines, like, I mean, I don't know. I I, I feel like it's just a matter of like which episode had the more scenes in it that I liked. But there's mm-hmm. there's stuff in every episode that I think is terrific. Um. So yeah, Tyler. Yeah. Um. The I. To me, I very much felt like. Um. 
the first three episodes, the first three episodes were the first time the um, show really started kind of sagging for me. Um, Mm. And specifically that centered on episode seven. um, Okay. Because it was the first time where I was watching it on this particular rewatch and kind of thinking like, "Mm, how much longer is in this? Uh, Because there's just a lot Mm. of, not not filler, but um, you've got like Tyrion and the hill tribes floating around. Yeah. Um, you've got Asha doing things. Um, I think that might Hamming be. Let me double check this. I made some notes because I I wanted to be able to actually focus on things. Um, no, that was the episode before. I was going to say, uh, oh, but it is the one with uh, Littlefinger teaching. Ross yeah. and yeah. other lady uh, how to please a man while also giving his backstory, mm. which is a little bit uh, ham-fisted. And, um, maybe one of the less... You're, you're telling me. <laughs> maybe one of the less uh, um, mem- memorable... It actually is pretty memorable. Maybe one of the less uh, uh, well-done additions to the show in terms of uh, yeah. new new scenes, new dialogue. Um it does give us some important information about Littlefinger and Brandon Stark and Ned Stark and all that stuff, which is good. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I just, I think that there's a lot of scenes that kind of combine there because right after episode five, you really have this explosion of like, everyone's reacting to the fact that like, Oh, Jamie Lannister, he moved against Ned. Like, you know, he injured Ned. Mm-hmm. What's going on? You know, where basically all the Starks are like, how are we going to react to this? How are we going to retaliate? Do we need to go down to King's Landing and, start a war and all this stuff. Um, and then it feels like that scatters a bunch of plot lines. Um, Cause also in episode six, you get the trial where Tyrion uh, gets rescued and that's a wonderful, wonderful scene. Um, yeah. Where Tyrion and Bronn kind of begin to forge their friendship. But then that means that they're kind of off on their own for the next episode. And so there's just a lot of characters that are just out there <laughs> in episode seven. It, it feels like it's the first time the show is really like, ah, we're, we're juggling a lot here. <laughs> And we need sure. we need to get information to the audience, but we're not really sure how to to do all of this effectively and in a way that is as interesting as some of the other episodes. So that one for me, I felt like slowed down a bit. Um, it's not. I don't think there's any scenes that I would point to as like a bad scene. There's just a lot there that mm-hmm. I was not that invested in. Um, you, you yeah, you you point something out about that little finger scene that this show has. Off the top of my head, I can think of three scenes where they went okay we want to give some backstory we want to give some exposition we don't know how to make it interesting just put like porn in it (laughs) and just (laughs) nakedness and all three of them involve esme bianco as roz because the first the first one is her and theon Mm -hmm. and then theon's like i'm not a wood i'm a grad joy or whatever he says and that was mean to his accent i'm sorry alfie allen (laughs) Your sister already wrote that song about you. I don't need to come after you. Um, and then, uh, and also uh, this scene with Littlefinger. But then later there's one with Pycelle, which is not a sex scene, but it's post. While he's like, oh, yes, kings. And then he's just talking about yeah. it, just stuff. that, And it's, it's interesting because you, you will also have similar scenes that are just Varys and Littlefinger going back and forth that are fascinating and riveting. Because mm-hmm. they're well written, it's these two, these these characters who are two sides of the same coin, yep. um, going back and forth at each other, 
where there's there's no nudity. And I, and I, I believe I heard at some point that the show was under, like, pressure from the studio or the network to be like, put more nudity in it. We want more nudity. So that might not have been all on right. the showrunners. But it, there were a few points of this where I'm like, I, I get it. Like, I get it. But also, come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think for me, the you know, episode six has a couple of, of big highlights in terms of the golden crown. The, the titular yes. Golden Crown, which I did not realize until th- this show has really great episode titles. <laughs> That's a very small <laughs> thing that doesn't matter that much. But um, a Golden Crown, I, d- I don't think I'd ever like connected the fact that oh, that's also supposed to be referring to Joffrey and Joffrey's hair and yeah, uh, no, I just okay, today, okay. yeah. Um, speaking of which, I had also never noticed that, uh, or I I had noticed obviously, but I like had forgotten the fact that at least in the show version, the thing that makes Ned remember all the investigation he was doing and then like connect that with the fact that Joffrey is not Robert's son is that Sansa is um, talking about how beautiful his hair is or something like that, which is just funny. Yeah, they're going like, to have like blonde babies or something. Yes. Yes. Uh, and uh, it's just funny to me because like uh, Sansa, you just, you just didn't have to say anything and then none of this would have happened. We'd all be, everyone be chill. <laughs> um, yeah. She's the worst character, right? Internet. <laughs> Sansa is behind it all. Um, <laughs> the, for me, the best episode was a toss-up between the last two. I really, really felt the impact of Alan Taylor's directing. I think that sure. um, both of them are just really dynamic and, and look great. Uh, there's a the the shot of um, Ned getting decapitated in episode nine mm. is just really, really well done because you've got like the back and forth between Arya and you've got every like the reactions of everyone on the stage when Joffrey's like off with his head. Um, and the shot's really good, but then the the way it intersperses the birds flying off uh, as yeah. Ari's looking up, like that's just a really beautiful little set of imagery. And then the next episode opens with this this gorgeous, disgusting shot of the uh, sword covered in blood, covered yeah. in Ned's blood, um, and like dripping, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's very good. Um, and I just felt like a lot of the dialogue scenes were more dynamic, even the ones that maybe were more, very similar to the ones that were in episode seven that I was complaining about. Um, here they just felt more strong. I just felt like I was more invested. It was more dynamic. Um, ultimately, I am going with episode nine as my as my top. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that feels like a uh, a cop out because it is the the first big twist episode. But there's a lot of really good stuff in there leading up to it. Um, I really really love the payoff of uh, Jorah fighting. One of the Kalasar, I think one of the Blood Riders. Oh yeah, um, Kotho, I think. Yes, where he had earlier was he was talking to one of the other guys and he was like, oh well, you know your curved swords are are cool and all for the Dothraki on the horseback, mm. but it's not going to help at all against armor. And then one of the the, the uh, Dothraki tries to hit him, and it just sticks in his armor and does nothing, and then he kills him. It's great. <laughs> yeah, we get uh, Aemon's uh, duty is the death of love speech to Jon Snow, which mm. is iconic and lovely, and we and also we get like his backstory with johnson's like wait you're a you're a targaryen <laughs> oh um that's very i never good. saw your name written so i couldn't have put it together yeah <laughs> it's the uh introduction of walder Frey. we get we get mm. the first scenes with him which is he's just spectacular on the show uh what's the actor's name uh david bradley yes that's correct and so uh he's... incorrect it's just filch no? it's just filch <laughs> <Marcus> <laughs> Filch. um 
we get the drinking game, the the first drinking game Tyrion oh, has with with yes, Bronn and Shay. Wonderful. This is something I want to I want to dig into and, and sit on for a second, but I guess I'll I'll wait and we'll spin back around to this after Alex does his best and worst episodes. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that there's a lot of really great scenes in that in that particular episode, and it sure. it all builds up to the ending in such a great way. And and I really love it's it's the first of several times that we'll have poor Arya. Um, have some family-related tragedy, uh, like, spinning off of some very innocent, like, scene with her or something where it's like, oh, she's just traveling and she's about to, you know, be mm-hmm. reunited with somebody maybe or something. And then it's just like, oh, no. Oh, that yeah. went horribly wrong. <laughs> this started with you trying to get a pastry from a from a mean baker. <laughs> What's going on? Um, and so, yeah, I just thought that was... Uh, uh, overall, a, a really great episode. That is the highest rated on IMDb uh, that we have talked about so far, and it's I think just generally one of the higher ones of the entire show. And so, uh, I, I I would agree, agree with that rating. I think it's quite good. Yeah, that's, do you that, agree that, with that? that does have a lot of. Sorry, like I was stuff. trying to transition. <laughs> yeah, I agree so much that my my worst episode and best episodes are both of yours, Tyler. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so so my worst is you win or you die, and I think, th- th- I mean th- they're all really good episodes, like right, really really good season. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the one at the end where once they've captured the guy who is trying to poison Daenerys, and Cal Drogo walks in and he goes on his monologue about how he's going to mount the world or you know whatever. That... His son will, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But is is that the one where he does his big speech? I believe so. Uh, that sounds right. Yeah, I like Jason Momoa, obviously, but I think I'm I'm taking Britain's kind of feelings about about Cal Drogo that we had from the last episode. I do not care about him at <laughs> all. So when he's going yeah, he... on his big tirade and talking about how he's going to rule the world one day and he's going to have his son who's going to rule the mm-hmm. world, I'm like I just yeah don't care <laughs> and yeah it i feel like the show ha- hasn't quite gotten past the yeah but this 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 marriage started off with sexual assault and rape sure. like let's yeah i i thought the early episodes were doing a good job of at least helping daenerys to to be be proactive and to kind of you know fix the problem so to speak yeah. but like we just completely forget that that was a thing and she just like falls in love with him and there's yeah. no repercussions or anything and it's, it's very weirdly handled um so yeah, yeah. It, i like jason is... momoa but give him a role where he's charismatic and not well, just i'm gonna kill you that that was exactly what I was about to say is it is a massive testament to jason momoa's mm. charisma in general yeah. that like cal Drogo is as memorable as he is because i think what's yeah. on the page is not <laughs> that effective um yeah yeah i would i would agree for sure like like at yeah, the Dro- end Drogo is oh, go ahead i was just gonna say at the at the end where daenerys has to like make the choice to kill him when he's in the coma mm-hmm. i'm like this fine <laughs> it's fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah this it's it's interesting i his name is may as well be cal device bow like he's he's just mm-hmm. yeah he drogo <laughs> exists in the story to die um for Daenerys's growth, yeah, right. uh, which is neat because you don't often see that where the male character is put in that, especially position, the, the in a big, male, female beefy, Conan-like male character. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, 
and who you know similar to Jamie they talk a lot about how he's a great warrior and we only see him fight once and he gets fatally wounded yeah yeah well, which is kind of a, a neat little twist I did want to mention that cuz that was that's in the next episode and that is something that I definitely mm. do appreciate I think it's the the coolest bit he gets in the entire show probably where he just like yeah. the guy just whacks him and then he just sits there and takes it uh and and that's mm-hmm. supposed to be like oh it's a super manly thing Oh, but that's actually what ends up killing him. It is very neat. He pulls a predator and pulls the dude's tongue out of his neck. Well, that's that's the other thing is that, like, the moment does backfire horribly. And it is like a a flip of, like, oh, he he just tanked tanked the wound. But actually, you can't just do that. You can't just take, like, a a massive uh, blood wound. Um, but that little scene where he's like shouting at the, about the guy and, and he's pulling out his knives and like, he's, he's toying with him basically. And, and just like not even treating him as a, a real opponent is very, very cool. I, even yeah. if he does ultimately get horribly, uh, treated and killed for it. Like that's a moment where I can see why this guy is, is called. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel like in general, well, okay. Actually, I will save this for after for, for after Alex's best episode because it will probably spiral into other things. So sure. take it away. Uh, best episode is, is episode nine, Baylor. I feel like that that kind of has just all of the best moments of, mm-hmm. of the season converging into a single mm-hmm. hour. Um, I do recommend, and it's weird coming from me because I'm I'm the hater of Thor: The Dark World and Terminator Genesis. Alan Taylor does one of those like break down a scene videos where he mm. talks oh. about and and goes into detail about how they shot the final scene of Ned's e- execution. Mm. And he talks mm. about how they had to how how they got certain angles and how how it was all edited together and it's it's really fascinating. Um yeah, and, and not just that like the, the non-battle scene with Tyrion which I think is very cleverly yeah. done. Um I mean, it's just so many good moments, and yeah. also if we if we were doing our best thing, worst thing, like normal, I would just say my best thing is Charles Dance, and that. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Because Charles Dance is just the best that there's ever been. So, it's also <laughs> anytime you know, Tywin's it, yeah. on screen, I, I was it, just grinning ear to ear. It's really interesting because in Tywin's first scene, he and Tywin is a character who constantly just undermines his children's flaws. Mm. Um, in his first scene, he talks about the fact that Jamie uh, throws up this air about how he doesn't care about anyone, um, but actually he really, really cares, and it, he's he's in- incredibly insecure about how people uh, treat him, and and uh, you know generally tries to pretend like he's he's callous uh, when he's really not. I, I wonder if that'll ever come back. I wonder if that's something we should uh, put a note on. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, my uh, I, I my runner up best scene is Tywin's introduction. Yes, it's it's just yes. expert him skinning the stag and and Waldo Nicola Costa Waldo is great in that scene, but man, <laughs> what, Charles Dance just like cutting the thing up and being like, no, a Lannister always pays his debts and just being. But, so are you great. going to say something clever? Go on, say something clever. Uh, say something clever. The, the best part he about that great... scene is, I was just going to say, Jamie just like stares at him for a bit after he he gets off whatever his last quippy line is and jamie yeah. like after tywin does and jamie's just like and then he just walks out <laughs> like he just, he just stares <laughs> and like there's he has no response i forgot that that tywin shows up in this season so did i, I always forget mm-hmm. that 
Like yeah, I, I had um. Go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, like the the first. For some reason, it was in my head that the first time he shows up is the end of season two. But I, I, I'm hmm. n- no spoilers for that. But that was the first thought I had, and it, so it was just very surreal because I keep forgetting like he has with these all these really good scenes very yeah. early on to establish his relationships with his yeah. sons. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, one of my one of my favorite lines in this season is, I think it's in episode nine actually when they're before they go to battle. Tywin's talking to uh, Tyrion about the Hill Tribes, and he's like, "We've, you know, your friends have cost us three thousand iron and three thousand at whatever." And the the the, the big guy he wanted like two axes for God <laughs> knows what reason. And Peter and uh, Dinklage goes, "Shaga likes axes." <laughs> it's, just, it's so good, and and Dinklage has all these amazing moments where he'll mm-hmm. like reach for a. a cup of wine and then like it'll get pulled from him Tywin and he's caught con- like him and yeah. Tywin it's a constant thing I um, well, I'll say, well oh, go ahead I was just gonna say I really adore his line um after or in in episode 10 when he's at the kind of council the Lannister council um mm. and he smashes the glass over uh, after the they're talking about peace and he's like there is your peace uh and, and the fact yeah. that, like Tywin respects that and agrees with that and like they have a little conversation about that and that's part of what spurs him to name Tyrion the hand like all of that is i i love that entire interaction definitely um the, there there's stuff coming up and i think it's season two where Tywin is paired with another member of the cast in scenes that are good every single one of them sure. um that involve a table and uh, (laughs) what I was going to say about Daenerys and everything is now, this is probably the only time anyone's ever said this about anything, but I feel like some of the Daenerys stuff in this season is a bit rushed. And (laughs) what I mean by that is, and I, and, and the thing is obviously in a book, you have a lot more room and you can build out stuff. And I and as I recall in the book, there's just a lot. Of, there's a lot more like small conversations and small moments with her talking to the other blood riders and Dorea and Eerie and just tracing that transition from the diminutive girl who was not diminutive, but the like uh, very shy girl mm-hmm. who was sold into this situation to becoming the full fledged mother of dragons. But in the show, I think I, I under, understandably, I think they went. We we are we have so many things we have yes. to cover. We just need to pick the events for Daenerys because so many of these just little conversations we can't put in there. And what that leads to is in like by episode two or three, Daenerys is like, "No, these are my people. I'm a Khaleesi." Yeah, like full on. And then one day she and Drogon are just in love because the show needs them to be in love now. Yeah, right. And and I and I get like after she takes control in bed, I understand how that would change. Drogo, because that's like this is a new thing that I've never experienced. But I don't. There's not really a point where I'm like, and that's oh, he can't read, and that makes Daenerys love him. You know, I mean, there wasn't anything like that because then she has a problem to fix, which women love. But it's it's like this. They just sort of are in love, and and I felt like, and I understand that that because really, in many ways, Daenerys' story really starts at the end of season one, right? And everything leading up to that is just preamble. Um, but there are a few points in this where I'm like, I'm not that interested in the stuff going on over there outside of literally anything that Jorah does because he's one of my favorite characters. 
I think the show immediately runs into the and and has to figure out how to overcome the logistics of having one character we really need to follow on the Essos side of things. Whereas, like, right. in season one, you've got all these characters bouncing off of each other. Tyrion uh, sees, like, half our, our main characters. He goes up to the wall, and then he gets yeah. sidetracked yeah. with Catelyn and all this stuff. Um, or we can basically just bounce characters off of each other back and forth because they're all relatively contained. Whereas we just got Daenerys over there, and it's like, okay, well, we've got Daenerys and Viserys and, uh, and Jorah and Drogo. So that's like, there's a few characters we're invested in, and then two of them are dead by the end of season one. And you're like, well, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Although uh, season episode six does also contain another one of my favorite moments, which is when Viserys is like marching out to go like be mean to Daenerys and mm-hmm. Jorah stops him and Dene- and Viserys is all like no my little pony is not for little girls <laughs> it's only for big boys and Jorah's like it's for whoever believes that friendship can save someone and he's like you don't understand and he's like oh i understand here i stand and then Viserys is like fine i won't be mean about stuff <laughs> <laughs> like that whole scene is great cuz Viserys is such a little like wimp but and, and Jorah is just like this pillar of yep. of integrity in front of him. It's so great. Which is a really fun that um the line here I stand. That's the the yep. Mormont house line. I don't think right, they ever right. address it in the show. I think it's just supposed to be like an Easter egg. Um, yeah. But that's a fun little thing that that might come back in much later seasons. Um, mm. But yeah, it's it's good stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it's such a good scene. And I love his dad. I love Jor Mormont. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's great. This this leads me to something I, I want to bring up here, which is that um, I feel like Jon Snow is basically going to mean Hogwarts in this uh, <laughs> season. Because I, yeah. I noticed yeah. this. So I noticed this, I think, first in Episode 7. Um, I would argue that Hogwarts is very mean to Harry Potter. Meaner Hogwarts, then. <laughs> but specifically, so we've got right. Uh, they, I don't remember where where exactly it happens, but we've got um, Dior uh, assigning people. First of all, he's assigning people to different places. And he's saying, "Yeah, all right, we we've got like four different categories thereabouts, and we're telling them <laughs> this is where you're going to now that you're uh, officially going to be part of our our team." Um, so he's breaking <laughs> them down like that. You've got John constantly being angsty, and then his friends have to explain to them him like, "Hey, there, it's actually a good thing. Like, don't don't get all riled up. You know, just just uh, listen to the to the adults and actually like try to process what's happening instead of just jumping to your first gut reaction." Um, you've got you've got John trying to leave in the middle of the night and getting uh, <laughs> resistance from his, his chubby comic resistance friend oh my goodness. who is like, I'm not yeah. going to move. And they have to, they have to make him fall over and push him out of the way. Um, and, and specifically, <laughs> specifically uh, as I'm like, as these gears are turning, I'm like, well, yeah. this is kind of strange. There's, there's a line where Samuel says, Oh, you know, I always wanted to be a wizard. I'm not even yes. That's a line in episode seven. <laughs> and I was like, wait, are they, do they know well, they're doing I'm, this? And I know that Alistair Thorne never goes, Mr. Snow, our <laughs> new celebrity. But he essentially <laughs> says like, ah, Lord Snow, you've had it so good. Oh, that's, I did not even, that was not even part of my, that's, yeah, yeah. That's And then, and then, the, and then I'm, 
a, a, a very soft spoken but strong man with a white beard is like, John, I know all the crazy stuff you did, but it's okay. Here's a dope sword. <laughs> this is the other element of this, too, is that, um, first of all, there's a, there's a ranger named Nelugo, which is like, that's, that's a Harry Potter name. And then, and then, Maester Aemon is explaining, is telling this, this one guy, he's like, all right, you gotta go to Eastwatch. Uh, and he's, he tells him, uh, present yourself to Borcus when you arrive, and make no mention <laughs> yeah. of his nose. Is that not is that not just like a thing you would hear like a thing a line you would read in a Harry Potter book? Yeah. That's it's just full on. I <laughs> found that fascinating and I was one because the first wow. Game of Thrones the book came out in 96. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's Stone or whatever came out in 97. And so like I'm I'm I was just fascinated because I'm like are they making connections that weren't there? Like what's sure you know and and they, I don't know John John has a snowy white animal friend correct who helps him to uh, find danger he does break out in the middle of the night and and gets rewarded for it because he prevents a terrible thing from happening um, yeah and so everyone's like oh that was great <laughs> you, you did a good job and later and later kisses a redheaded lady <laughs> correct. There's just a lot there. There was a lot to unpack. It's all lining up. And much like the Harry Potter movies, it all went downhill with the sixth one. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes. Fantastic wargs and where to find them. (laughs) (laughs) On a a more serious analytical-ish note, um, I did find it really interesting that, like, Kind of in the same way that we're talking about Daenerys and and the fact that she's separate. Um, Mm -hmm. Jon Snow and Bran are really the only plot lines that advance the White Walker stuff. And obviously they're in the North, that makes sense. But, like, that's really very separate from a lot of what's going on throughout the story. Which I just think, I think that's something that would be good for us to keep tabs on for reasons. Yeah. Um, But it's just like... it's interesting, I think... Well, I was just going to say that, like, we get the opening of the show, and that's that's what the opening is, and so it's kind of like, yeah. ooh, is this, you know, what's what's happening with this? But we really don't see much more than, like, oh, they're, you know, they're out there, maybe. I don't know. Advancing. <laughs> uh, wildlings are moving. Um, and so I'm very curious to see how much we actually build on that, uh, just trying to recollect and organize things in my head as we as we go into seasons two and three. Um because I think also you you mentioned uh, I forget which one of you said this, but that Daenerys's story doesn't really start until season one's over. You can almost argue Daenerys's yeah. story doesn't start until season two's over. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I think I do remember yeah. her, her season two for her felt very much like a TV arc. Sure, where it's just like we we know where we want to take her eventually, but we just gotta we got we need a filler season for yeah. for Danny here. Well, and I feel like her, Bran, and John all have even well, Daenerys not as much, but like John and Bran, not as much happens with them in yep. every episode. Which, it, when watching it this season, I'm like, these are two really important characters. And then I go, well, that's why not as big stuff happens because they have to focus on Ned. We don't have as much time with mm-hmm. him. But like, John and Daenerys are spoilers they are the ice and fire this yep. song is about. And so they 
they actually can take a little more time to build them and they don't have to advance as much with that because that's that deals with not only personal stories but also the the overarching events of Game right. of Thrones. Um because I enjoy all the John stuff and I like the brand stuff because you get to see Maester Lewin, who mm-hmm. I just my whole heart I love Donald Sumter. <laughs> um I like when wish he gets they the show the same dream over sure. and over and True. over again. But like the just just the shot of like when uh Bran is with Asha and he's like, Yeah, I had a dream about my dad and she's like, No, little lord, it was because you miss him or whatever and he'll come back and then you just see uh Maester Lewin with the with the, the note from the Raven and he just says like Bran like the way he says that is so mm-hmm. beautiful, and it's like, uh, it, and you just see him walk over and like kind of put his arm on his hand on Bran's arm. It's just really lovely. You were talking about Alan Taylor, his directing. There's a beautiful moment when Bran is in the crypt with on Usha's shoulders, and he's like, "That's my granddad, mm-hmm. Brandon. That's my uh, whatever, and that's Lyanna, my dad's sister." And he gives a little backstory about Lyanna. And the torchlight is lighting up the statue, and right as he says, "But you know, but she was killed." That's and the, tor- the torchlight goes off of her, mm. so she goes into darkness. Like right when he says that she died, which is just very neat yeah. uh, cinematography. It's story. like they thought about it. <laughs> Quick question, just just story clarification: Does Rickon have any sort of psychic abilities or, or anything? Because he he's the one that's first like no something is wrong with dad and then he's actually down in the crypt with his dire wolf mm-hmm. and he's like i saw dad down here last night i think the idea is more like the starks in general have a little bit of the that old magic the old north magic going on <laughs> um and you know so maybe maybe he he has some latent uh i don't know brain like abilities um, I don't know that, that like in the, in the books, there's no more real, I think, clarification or, or like exploration yeah, of that. Pr- I'm pretty sure there's not yeah. in the show either, but I, I was just a little bit confused about what the takeaway was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if it was, you know, kind of what Asha is saying is like, oh, you, you, you're just kids worried about your family and you're, you're just imagining things. And I didn't know if the yeah. idea was supposed to be, yeah, he's imagining it, but Bran actually has something going on. So I didn't know if there was supposed to be kind of a stark difference between Mm -hmm. the two of them. Uh, No. Okay. (laughs) Well, that answers it. I think it is – because I obviously, having read further than I've watched, um, there is some stuff in the books that suggests that, like, Arya might have some some magic in her and Rickon as well, but – Bran is like the the true like bearer of that. Like right. Bran is the most magical of the, the most <laughs> the magical most of the Starks. The most magical boy. Um, he is the most magical boy. Um, he's going to get whisked away on a journey through time and space. Um, but he but but there's little traces. I don't I can't remember about like Sansa or, or Rob, but I know with Arya and Rickon, there's a little like yeah there you know. there is with Arya. Um, I don't think yeah. Sansa really gets much with that. But anyway. Um, yeah. And I, I consistently... There's so many things that I have forgotten that, like, I forgot that 
Rob is betrothed to choose Frey daughter. Yeah. <laughs> like, that he can just be with one of Frey's daughters. I, I forgot that that was a thing. Um, and, like, I don't, I don't know. I, I really like that that whole sequence because I like Michelle Fairley. Yeah. I think she's a wonderful performer and she's great on this show. But I like – because the, the show for a while there draws this thing of, like, oh, all the, like, folks in the north, they're, like, all really great, like – the great John Umber is, you know, really loud and brash, but he's like a good guy who's on his side. Who like, does get introduced in these yeah, episodes, really... and he's wonderful. He's okay he's with great. getting a yeah. few fingers chewed off. <laughs> it's fine. That's awesome. Um, yeah, like, I like that they still pointed out, oh, but the phrase don't really care about anybody. <laughs> like, they're just kind of nasty, and they, obviously we'll meet the Boltons. They literally later. just hold the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think they're going to be like? It's their own function. Yeah. Um, I do. I also, I, I guess I, I mean, like I knew the plot points that explored this, but I just hadn't really, I think I, I had forgotten about the scouting thing where they bring in a scout and the scout has like either miscounted or maybe, I, I, yeah. I don't know exactly what the implication there is. I think maybe Rob realizes that he's counted, you know, 20,000 Starkmen, and so he's like, okay, we'll go back and tell them that, and then I'll change my strategy because of that. I think that's, that's yeah. maybe the idea. I, th- yeah. I think that's the idea. Um, but he's, yeah. like, really good at this, <laughs> which is... <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, really interesting to watch. I mean, obviously, the, the, the fact that he doesn't rise to Jamie Lannister's challenge, where he's like, if, we, if you will beat me if we have a sword fight. I'm not, I'm not yeah. you know, trying to <laughs> have any bravado here. Um yeah, just the, I, I think that's really fun to watch him and to get to be in this area where it's still very like, oh, this is just fun. Like he's just you know he's our swashbuckling like yeah. you know, charismatic guy and and he's he's young but yeah. he's a he's a great leader and oh he's just he's just you know steamrolling right towards them Lannisters. This is gonna be great. Um, and, and I like <laughs> that he's a genuinely good leader. Yeah, that which is a weird subversion because they don't have him make like too many. I mean, he does make careless mistakes. Not careless. He does make mistakes later, but that, like, he actually is a good tactician. And part of that is he has good people around and he knows who Mm -hmm. to listen to and and all that stuff. But, like, that scene where they're all, like, swearing loyalty to him and he's the king of the north, Mm -hmm. I really bought it. I'm like, yeah, there's – I believe that he would inspire that kind of faith. Right. Um, Yeah, I like Richard Madden a lot. I just think he's a really talented uh, boy. What do, let's talk a little bit about Theon, um, who, of course, will come to be a really big character. Um, I, I find him interesting in this season, knowing some of what is to come with him, that right now he's mostly just like a frat guy who yeah. wants to kill things and, and be with ladies and drink a lot. Like, mm-hmm. that's kind of his... And he, and a lot of it is because he, he knows his station, and so he tries to intimidate everybody to, like, convince himself that he's not a servant. Right. Um, but, like, that scene with Osha, I think, is, is is pretty good. And I think Alfie Allen does a really good job on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I, I, th- I think it's interesting to watch this and see his relationship with Rob, where it's like, oh, they're really close, but maybe not? And, like... Theon, are you, like, lying to him yeah. when you talk about your loyalty to him? Or is that genuine? Because I don't... Hmm. And Theon is, is kind of constantly, like, urging him to make bad decisions. He's like, yeah, right. go to war. What's the harm? Yeah, yeah, and, and I can't... I don't... 
uh, my interpretation of that is not Theon like, ha ha ha, yes, yeah. go to war, Rob. It's him being like, I want to kill stuff. <laughs> He's more yeah. of a, a scumbag. Let's do it. I'm, I'm angry. Well, I, it might be more than that. It might just be he's he's just always looking for an opportunity to try and, you know, earn some prestige sure. or like, you know, yeah, earn respect from from his his surrogate family because maybe he feels like he's been right. neglected or, you know, he clearly has some <laughs> issues with that. Yeah, good point. There's also giants in the forest. Which is something that is also Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Also, Asha (laughs) is an actress from Harry Potter. True. Natalia Tena, who loves to, uh, she loves to just really chew that scenery. Mm -hmm. Um, Like her first scene in this, she's like snaking around all over the place. (laughs) She does that a lot, uh, and she's great at it. Like that's why she gets cast for these things. She was in an episode of The Mandalorian. As a uh, a Twi'lek or Twi'lek um, bounty hunter, um, it was her and Clancy Brown and Bill Burr, which is a wild trio of actors. Um, but it's a good episode. Bill, Bill Burr is really good in that. Um, I'm sure there are other Harry Potter crossover actors. I mean, Filch is the other yeah. big one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, I was going to talk about the the Tyrion thing because I want to I want to do a deep dive yes. on this. Um, do it. So Tyrion in in uh, episode nine has a the first time he does a drinking game with somebody does it with Shay and with Bronn, um, and he's two great characters. Yes, and he is. Uh, eventually, it leads to him explaining his backstory. Well, first, there's a great thing where where Shay refutes uh, that he keeps trying to be like. Ah, you're, you know, stereotypical uh, prostitute with a heart of gold backstory. That's who you are. And she's like, nope. <laughs> and that's that's quite yeah. good. <laughs> um, and then uh, also it leads into this explanation of, of the fact that he was married once. And he was married to this girl named Taisha. And mm. uh, it went horribly wrong because he was only married for about two weeks after Jamie and uh, him found this girl running away from people that were trying to assault her. Um, and ended up sleeping with her, and it kind of gave him confidence that women might like him. He got married, and then eventually uh, Tywin finds out, and Tywin has all the the Lannister soldiers basically, like, the horror out, and it's awful and very sad. And yeah. uh, basically, beca- or, uh, no, I'm going to get my, my streams crossed here. The idea is that she is actually a prostitute, correct, in the show? Yeah, Jamie had done that for his brother. Yes. Yeah. Jamie had, like, right, bought yes, her. Yes, yes, yeah. So that right there, very traumatic. I think it's it's good backstory. It, like, you know, it, it, it flushes out the how messed up Tyrion is and why he drinks all the time and, like, why his family is, yeah. is so awful to him. Like, or, or expands on how his family is so awful to him. Um, first of all, there's a great line there where Shay's like, you should have known she was a, she was a prostitute, or, or at least was, was hired because... Uh, no woman would actually like sleep with a man immediately after she was almost assaulted, which I think is a great line. Right. When Tyrion explains this in the books, he's actually only with Bronn, and so she—that's that's a show addition, which I thought was nice. Okay. Um, the other thing here is that 
This, I believe, is the source of, at least from from what I could tell, and I was not really following the show in the first three seasons, so maybe there were earlier stuff in this, but specifically, um, a good bit later on, there is a thing that happens in which Jamie, in the books, reveals to Tyrion that actually um, Taisho was not a prostitute. She was just some woman, and Tywin, like, basically manipulated her into, you know, paying her mm. to leave Tyrion and pretend she was a prostitute and everything and, and like, all that stuff. Um, and this, like, makes Tyrion hate Jamie and it, it spirals Tyrion into further, like, depression and stupor and drinking and, and colors a lot of what happens to him after that point in the books. Um, and the show does not do this. The show does not mm. take that opportunity when it comes. It never fills out this backstory. It just is like, that. that's what happened according mm. to the show. Um, and this was like the first big meltdown uh, when this happened in the show by people who read the books, at least as far as I'm aware. Again, there might have been earlier stuff. I don't know. Um, but at least I remember this being very, very controversial um, because everyone's like, oh, well, that's it's like a huge part of where Tyrion's story goes. And it's something that I, I'll bring back up when we actually get to that point as well. Mm. Um, but I want to mention it because... I think it works perfectly fine if you, if you if this is just mm. like the, like I get where George R. R. Martin I think is is going with it in the books and it kind of yeah. spins off into some other stuff, but I think at, for the show's purposes like it's very effective. It's it's traumatic and you're like oh that's really sad. Tywin's really messed up. Uh, Jamie's yeah. kind of messed up for for having a part in that. Like what in the world? And uh, I think that's yeah. all you really need. <laughs> <laughs> like I think, so when you're looking at it from an adaptation perspective, like I, I don't think you need yeah. to try to go further with that. I don't know. So in the show version, did Jamie then was he what was he trying to like trick Tyrion or was he like, hey, I want to give my brother some confidence, so Just I'm that, gonna yeah. this is a this is a lie, but it's like a lie with good intentions. Yes. Yes. And then Tywin did the, Okay. Yeah. Because that is one of the things that, you know, dimen- dimensionalizes Jamie is that, like, for all of his bad qualities, like, he is very loyal and, like, he, he genuinely loves Tyrion mm-hmm. and, like, wants to protect Tyrion and wants Tyrion to be okay. Um, he's not always good at it, but, like, that's his... That is a, a, a drive that he has. Um, dissenting only- opinion? I, I was just going to say, I, I, my argument is not so much, um, and, you know, obviously this hap- this reveal, it, yeah. its placement would be several seasons down the line, but um, the problem is, like, w- when do you talk about it? Because it's yes. just not there, and this is, like, the only time it's brought up in the show, yeah. or anything yeah. relating to it. My argument would be about the placement of the twist, of that extra twist, and the way that Tyrion then, like, his path mm-hmm. moving forward after that. I, I think kind of his his goals and his motivations are are different if that's yeah. kind of how he's sent away when, when that extra twist does happen. So that would be my argument. Um... I'll need to rewatch the show again because I know yep. there are, there are lots of there are, there are lots of criticisms about uh, how Tyrion reacts to things later on and his intelligence in certain mm-hmm. things and kind of his where his head is at. 
So it'll be interesting if I rewatch it. I'm going. Well, I wonder if they had treated it like this and kept that reveal in. Sure. If that would make more sense, I don't know. Yeah, it's about it's <clears throat> it's definitely something I just wanted to make sure we we address now because I I don't yeah. know if the show ever brings it back. I'm sure. I, it, I don't. I don't think it does. <clears throat> I sure could be wrong, but I don't think Taisha gets mentioned. Like the her name comes up yeah. again, but yeah. I I don't think we ever like readdress this story. And so that's the other thing is that they would have to commit to that like now, <laughs> and they would have to be like, we are definitely going yeah. to do this. Because and that's the other. So, so, hmm. so, so, so the second reveal, just so I have it straight, is that she Taisha that did love did, Tyrion, and yes. she that it was a genuine relationship, yes. which which means Ty, okay, all of okay. the the evilness and and all the horrible things, like it's all resp- like Tywin and Jamie are the responsible parties. It's not also her, right? And it was okay. real. Yeah, right. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so, and and part of it is that you're trying to like determine what is the better choice when one of the stories is incomplete. Like we we don't have the last two books, so we don't actually know. Yeah. If that we don't know where Tyrion ends up in the the books versus the show, it might be very similar, might right. be very different. It's very hard to tell exactly um, what the logistics are going to be because George R. Martin was like, yeah, the broad strokes of the show are very similar, but beyond that, you, you know, it's maybe not so clear sure um so it's part of it is we're working with incomplete information to try and evaluate this <laughs> but i think it's worth bringing up now just to, to talk about and the fact that like i think rewatching it knowing that that's not going to be something that gets played off of i think it's effective here and helps color Tyrion's backstory yeah. and then i think it's it's not a bad decision to be like all right we're going to leave that here and then we're going to try and find other motiv- motivation for Tyrion in later seasons that don't rely on this like the audience having a very clear understanding because like even just then we were trying to kind of work out what was the actual problem and, and who did what yeah like it's a very it's, it's a it's a twist and then it's it's another twist on the same story <laughs> yes. and then especially like you know i was talking about the placement of it where that does happen like there's a lot of stuff that very <laughs> quickly happens in yeah. that part of the story so i understand why they left it out yes and it's very, very effective in the books. I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying it's like it makes sense that they can use this as a springboard for his entire character arc going forward. But I think when it's all so like, oh, this is backstory that we're trying to elaborate on. And we have to make sure that the audience has this like down pat knows exactly what it is. So they know what the twist means when it happens. I think that makes sense for them to be like, we're going to not address this. We're just going to have this be part of, you know, like this, this simplified version is what yeah. his deal is. And then eventually will uh, find other ways to motivate him to do things, you know, evaluating the effectiveness and and such of those events later. Um, So I don't know. I think it's, it's an interesting way to handle it. I think it is uh, not so much this, because again, this does not really come back, but talking about the fact that we have to bring it up now and then bring it up in a few seasons. Um, This, this season in general does so much stuff with just throwing things up into the air and then being like, it'll come down eventually. <laughs> I know we talked about this on the last episode, but like, uh, there's just so many plot threads that are, are spinning. And specifically, you can see where consequences go through the course of this this series when you're looking at just the things that happen now. Like I was talking yeah. about with the Sansa thing, where like, maybe if Sansa doesn't mention, oh, hey, Joffrey's beautiful golden hair, maybe Ned never makes that connection and he never confronts Cersei and, and like, you know, things are very, very different. Maybe he, they just leave King's Landing. Um, 
and so there's just a lot of really great like through lines it's it's really fascinating to imagine ned going to the wall instead of getting executed and like what if he was up there with yeah. john and what you know what's going on with that ah. so right. uh, i don't know i just i found that really interesting i think this is a show where especially it's really fun and easy to see consequences and and like the far-reaching nature of these choices that the characters are making right now that seem innocent but they're just they're acting out of character and they're just acting on emotion and like the lot the facts they have now and it's causing these massive like wars to spin up down the line <laughs> and and yeah i don't know it's quite neat absolutely and this this is one of those interesting like i i, I used to play this game with with walking dead which mm-hmm. was you know oh what if you know this person had lived, what would they, how would they have reacted to the governor or whatever? And that's still fun to think about, but in Game of Thrones, it's, I mean, that's a huge difference if Ned lives. Yeah. Like, that is, that is a massive change. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing how, like, huge a scale that I watched, like, this little quick making of featurette on my, my Blu-ray today, and I mean, it's it's a DVD extra, so like everybody says, it's just a massive mm-hmm. scale, and fans are going to love it about forty times. But it is mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's amazing how even these small details, like that Varys, uh, who I love, Varys mm-hmm. is fantastic, um, has that little thing about oh, how good that uh, the the squire was able to keep the Lannister boy was able to keep Robert uh, well refreshed. You know that mm-hmm. that's like what if he had never said that and all of this. Um, There's a really wonderful bit where uh, Sansa is pleading in front of the court for Ned's mm-hmm. Ned to be freed. She's pleading to Joffrey, and Varys chimes in. He's like, "Ah, innocent words from the mouth of babes." But what if she's right? Maybe Mercy is the right. And Littlefinger just side eyes him mm-hmm. with his like, mm, "What are you doing? <laughs> what, what's well, your play? What's going on here?" My, my favorite part of that scene is is Pysel in the corner going, "But treason is." <laughs> Treason! <laughs> I hate treason like Dom hates when it's not family or cars. Oh. I, um, maybe, I, I really love how, because, okay, Varys and Littlefinger, I said they're two sides of the same coin, wherein Littlefinger will do whatever, trick whoever, do whatever, as long as he wins. Mm-hmm. Varys will do whatever as long as the realm is protected. Yep. Like, Varys is actually quite selfless in a lot of ways. And it's interesting because throughout the series, there's a lot of, Varys, what side is he on and what's he trying to do? But they tell you in the very beginning of this show, like, when Varys and Ned are talking and Ned's like, just, can you just stop all the games and just tell me, like, who do you serve? And he says, I serve the realm. Somebody has to. And it's this really powerful moment of, like, Oh, yeah, like, he's one of the only people in the show who, and I don't know if that means that he says, I serve the realm because it's the Targaryens' rightful place. The Targaryens should be here, and by serving the Targaryens, I'm serving the realm. Or is he saying, I just want the person who's best to be in charge, and right now I think it's the Targaryens. But he does, like, try to get Ned safe. Mm -hmm. And when Joffrey declares that Ned's going to be beheaded, you see, like, Cersei kind of go, ooh, maybe we shouldn't, because she's aware of the yeah. repercussions that would have. But you, there's this quick shot of Varys, like, running over there, clearly trying to be like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Which, no, it, it, it is and, really and interesting it's seeing like, everyone's yeah. reactions. Because I think Cersei's is a, 
don't do that because I don't really care if Ned lives or dies, but I care about the it's, people that have my have my brother. It's a politically and what bad do. move. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's and, the... and Varys is it's kind of both. Varys is yeah. like, no, he, but actually, don't kill him. He's a good yeah. guy, but also like. You're gonna, you're gonna. Yeah. This whole thing is gonna. There's go also bad. a great. I think it's in the opening of the next episode where Sansa faints and Varys is just like, "What?" Oh. <laughs> he, he turns yeah. around. And he's like, ah. "That's a be- that's a beautiful shot of Sansa because yeah. it's so." I really like the thing where they're taking Ned up to and and he sees up to the the dais and he sees Yorin, mm-hmm. and he just says Baylor, and so then Yorin knows to look up and see Arya. We get the geography and loud like, and clear. Yep. Right. <laughs> And Yorin's like, got it. And then he just immediately, like, is keeping Arya from looking at her, looking at what happens. And it's just, all that's really, mm-hmm. really good. Um, and then when Ned is about to be killed, but he looks up and sees that Arya is off the statue, it's this, like, last moment of, okay, Arya got away. Like, Arya's not going to see this. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is really powerful. Um, Even the small detail, because I think the final shot with Ned. Um, it looks like he's muttering like a quick prayer or something right as he's yeah. being beheaded. He's he's like accepting, yeah, like what's about to happen. There's a he um yeah. I mean Sean Bean is obviously Sean Bean, uh, oh, but man. there's a spectacular moment where Varys um is explaining to him in the dungeons that Rob has declared war, and literally it's it's you're just looking at Sean Bean's face for a second, and you yeah. get everything like he like the way yeah. he plays it mm-hmm. where he's just this like gutter like oh crap <laughs> like I, that's this yeah. this is all going horribly wrong um and it's done it's not like over the top it's just like that and he does have dialogue after no. that but you don't need even need it like you just immediately get everything that he's feeling in that moment um and what a what a treasure to have on this <laughs> this first season to kind of guide he, the way he is so and everybody loves everybody likes sean bean and everybody jokes about him dying and everything but like I, I don't think he gets enough credit for being such a good actor. Mm-hmm. Like he's a genuine. He's not just a cool presence. Like he's a really good actor. Right. Um, yeah. I'm just. Uh, I'm just a big fan of this. I've. I have heard, and I just in case there's any Snowpiercer viewers out mm-hmm. there of that TV show, Sean Bean has joined the second season of that show. <laughs> yes, he has. Because that that show just keeps trying to get me to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> what about this? But Britain, we got Sean Bean, and I'm like, I don't know, Snowpiercer. <laughs> I've already got my my Pong Joon Ho movie. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I just he's great in everything. I also I really love Ned's uh, decisions that he has to make leading up to this because he it's it's very much yeah. like a <laughs> it's a weird comparison, but it, it makes me think of the the joke of the man um, a man sitting on his on his roof in a flood and he prays to God for yeah. for salvation and then like somebody comes by in a boat and they're like hey get in our boat and he's like no no no, it's fine god's god's got me and then he does that like three more times to different uh ways of getting saved and then he dies and god's like well why didn't i sent all these things why didn't you <laughs> um because yeah. ned um first he gets an offer from from rinley after uh ned basically explains like i don't remember if he just like directly tells the entire small council or i don't remember how that information gets out but basically he's confronted cersei and then he goes and he, he's talking to Renly and he's like, look, Renly, uh, you know, Stannis is the rightful heir. And Renly's like, Stannis is kind of a crap leader. I'm here. <laughs> I can, I, I care yeah. about the realm. Like, you you know that I I do, I am a genuinely, like, decent person. Uh, you you should help me. Like, let's, let's, 
let's make a push here and we can deal with Stannis after. Let's make a push to take the throne back. Um, and it's like, you know, that was probably his best choice. That, he probably should have done yeah. that. And that, that might have fixed <laughs> a lot of things in the, in the series. Um, obviously, more yeah. problems would have spun up. But, like, Renly does sign, kind of seem like a chill dude. I don't know. Just, yeah. Obviously, he does want to, to take the throne, which is probably not a great sign uh, at, at the first threat, yeah. and he doesn't want to pay attention to the rightful heir thing. But also, he keeps talking about how Robert is a terrible king, so that's a plus one. Yeah. And two, um, he also acknowledges the fact that Robert took it from the Targaryens, so it's really just like, if you have the power to take the throne, you should take it. Um, and yeah. so that's, that's great. The in- that's the interesting thing that I was thinking about during a lot of Ned's later decisions mm-hmm. where he's just like, have you no shred of honor? Stannis has got to be king. And I was just like, but you guys led a, led a revolution. Yeah. You, you, you took it for yourself. Yeah. So it's just interesting how just kind of the internal power struggle and, and how Ned is just so locked into the line of succession mm-hmm. um, angle mm-hmm. of it when it's, I don't know. Well, it, yeah, that, that was all really complex, and that, and also um, the fa- it, yeah, he's not entirely just driven by honor. It's kind of like he's got sort of a weird system where he just doesn't know how to play this game. Like he, he's so yeah. there's so yeah. many things that he he doesn't know what because like when he's talking to Cersei, that it seems like the main motivation for him to be like, I'm going to confront you and, and give you a chance to lead because I like I want to confront you and see your face when I tell you basically what I've learned because he's so upset about the fact that they pushed Bran out the window. Like he, the, he's, he's, yeah. you know, almost tearing up when he's like, why did you push my son out a window? Like this is, you know, I, I, this is, I hate you. <laughs> um, yeah. And, yeah. uh, and then also he does, he writes down rightful heir when he's writing down Robert's will instead of writing down Joffrey yeah. because he's like, well, Joffrey's not the rightful heir. And so like he, he does fudge mm-hmm. the rules sometimes. And so it's kind of like, there's there is emotion there. It's, he's not just a robot who's executing laws. Um, he is yeah, yeah, he yeah. is torn between all these different things. I mean, it's it's the recurring theme of the show with the love is the death of duty thing. Like he he he's constantly pushing and pulling between these. Yeah, and you wonder if he had written Joffrey in the letter, would Cersei have been as? Would she have been like, oh, he's willing to play ball? Yeah, I don't know. I I think that it is. Uh, so I, I watched an interview with George R. R. Martin uh, yesterday, and he was talking about how you know Ned is a very honorable man, and d- dishonorable things really offend him mm-hmm. just innately. But one of the things that really bothers him is the like violence towards children, yeah. and that I think that was something that he always rejected about Robert is that uh, uh, heiresses or Rhaegar. Rhaegar that those children, Rangers, yeah. the Targaryen children, were were killed, and their bodies were brought like before Robert Ned didn't know that happened and hated that mm-hmm. that happened and that was maybe one of the reasons that he and Robert haven't talked in so and long. also the Lannisters like because Tywin that was under like yeah. Tywin's orders so it's kind of like okay what is exactly and so I think uh, Martin said that one of the reasons that Ned goes to Cersei instead of Robert is is Ned's thinking if I go and tell Robert mm-hmm. that these are not his children, those children will be killed. And even though we all hate Joffrey, like, (laughs) I still don't want a child to die. And also, Tom and Amir didn't do anything, (laughs) like, literally. And um, so it's like, 
we we just I, if I go to Cersei, this might go differently. Of course, he doesn't realize that Cersei's the mastermind of all evil <laughs> in Westeros. And he also, but I, I think he also goes with this sense of like he has such a belief in the power of truth and the yeah. power of moral fortitude that he's like, if I tell her that I know the truth, that will scare that that will scuttle this whole her whole ship. That she'll be like. You know the truth. Well, then I guess I've lost. I've been found out. Darn it. If, if I, it, I got away with it if it weren't for you meddling Starks. I yeah. can literally but, hand her over uh, the last message from Robert, and she's not going to rip it up. It's going to be totally <laughs> fine. Yeah. Well, that's what I – Because I have the power. I, I have all these powers. All the, the strength of truth behind me, and Cersei's like, that's not what I care about. Yeah. Truth is flexible. Yeah. <laughs> and – well, that's yeah. I love the fact yeah. that like then Littlefinger goes to him and he's like, and Littlefinger's like, just just chill, just be like, okay, fine. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm we're gonna accept the Lannisters for now, and then we'll figure out something to do. Like, what well, you know, well, I'm still gonna have power. I'll be hand of the king. Littlefinger's got the money. If if we work together, we can just do this. And then Ned's like, no, I need you to give me the gold cloaks. And Littlefinger's like, okay, and obviously does not do that. Um, <laughs> And then also, even then, even at the like right before he declares treason or whatever, uh, Cersei is like yeah. just bend the knee and you know why, why don't you just why don't you just accept this? And then he does not. Um, and then even yeah. when Varys is like, "Look, they're going to kill you," Ned's like, "No, no, no, my honor is too important." And then he's like, "Well, they're also going to kill your children." Like, did, have you thought about Sansa and like what's going to happen to her? And then that's what actually convinces him to change his mind. So it's just interesting to see those choices that he goes through and, like, what he rejects and what he doesn't yeah. feels like he has to accept, basically. And the fact that he does end up declaring Joffrey the rightful heir right before they kill him, which is really sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I take that I, – I took that as him going, this is my last chance yeah. to protect my family. Mm-hmm. Not even necessarily to protect myself, but it's like, if I'm alive, then – I can protect my children, right? And they're not going to be subject. Like, if I just—that's his—that's his realization that, like, if I play ball, my family is safe. Yeah. And and that was, I think that was what he was trying to do. I don't think it was like ah, uh, they broke him. All good people crack eventually, <laughs> right? I right. think it was him going, no, this is at, at in my last moment. My love of my family outweighs everything, and so I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna play ball and then see what I can do within it. Um. Man, it would have been cool to watch Sean Bean fight some snow zombies. <laughs> I, I did really appreciate how they they use a public execution as, as just, like, the centerpiece yeah. of the season. Because um, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that I really latched on to, at least with, with the early seasons of the show, is how they really got on the ground and showed you how the people of Westeros, or at least how yeah. the... the um, the people of King's Landing felt about what was going on. We got we got a lot of Aizen characters that you know people like a man on the street just talking about what's yeah. going on. Um, and I, I really just liked that the the Lannisters are just so able to manipulate public perception of things, mm-hmm. and how yeah. that that Ned doing that. It was like the perfect way of being like, oh yeah, Joffrey's king. Nobody's ever going to question it. Yeah. <laughs> Again, like we've closed the, right. we've we've closed the page on this this book, so we're we're good. Um, but yeah, and just like everybody booing him and stuff because nobody likes a traitor. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> Did somebody chuck a rock at his head? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Uh, I thought all of that was, was expertly handled. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I agree. I think my last big point I want to touch on here is uh, Daenerys in the last couple of episodes, because I think... Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about in the last episode, we're all aware of, of where this is going. Um, this was the first time I tried to watch the show thinking like, what if, what if this is sort of like explaining, I mean, it, it is, it's not even what if, like this is the point. Um, but it's sort of showing the ascension of, uh, uh maybe someone who's, who's cruel or, you know, this is ultimately sure. not a good leader, um, but is gaining a lot of power. And, and she Maybe thinks she, she inherited something from her dad. Who knows? <laughs> she she thinks she deserves it. She yes. thinks she is the daughter of the dragon, and she deserves all the wonderful things in the world. She right. deserves to be leading people. Well, because first of all, it's it's you see the abuse of from Cal Drogo and from Viserys, and so like you see already yeah. the, these like traumas that are laid on her, and then, um. You get to where Daenerys is literally refusing to accept Khal Drogo's death. She's like, no, he won't die. I, yeah. It will not happen. And so, like, that's kind yeah. of, I think, an onus or a, a, the core of something here where it's like, this is beginning to show some of her worldview where she refuses to accept things. And sometimes that's good when it's about, you know, these slaves or it's about the, these, uh, like, just various atrocities that she wants to stop um, that happen throughout yeah. the series. But then also, uh, there are times where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to accept death, so I'm literally going to, like, do blood magic and sacrifice an animal to try to bring Khal Drogo back. And then she does that and loses both Khal Drogo and her child. And then Miriam Azdur is like, you destroyed my town. You're, you know, I was raped several times. Poisoned our water supply and delivered a plague <laughs> unto our houses. That too. <laughs> Um, but like, you know, I, I saw all these people I love cut down. I had literally nothing left to live for, live for. And then you came up and were like, oh, I saved you. Here's my husband who is the cause of all of this. Like, don't you love yeah. us now? Like the, the, yeah. the look, and that's the, you know, I, I, we were talking a little bit about before the show about the fact that the show is, I, I definitely think you can, it is totally valid to call it problematic in the way that it, it shows non, um, white characters i guess in general like just the yeah. fact that kind of we're dealing with uh oh these are characters from from the east and they're barbarians and savages and they're also right. not white um this is one thing that i think is effective is that and and we'll touch on this later this is just the first of many times where the show uh kind of shows her being like ah don't you guys love me? I am your, I am your savior. You know, I'm, aren't, aren't I so good and, and, and beautiful? And sometimes they react well to that, but sometimes characters are like, no, you didn't, like, you, you just came charging in here yeah. and did something horrible that, like, did not, or at least you did nothing to solve the problem, and you're sitting here wanting praise. And it's like, that's not, yeah. you know, th th these things don't connect here. Um, and so then, specifically in the, the final scene of the, of the season... You've got Daenerys burning Miri Mazdur on a pyre after she did some very reasonable things, I think, in her position. I get why Daenerys <laughs> wants revenge, but... Yeah. I, I don't know if burning her alive is is sure necessarily a measured response. Sure. And um, right as she starts screaming on the pyre, 
Daenerys looks at Jorah, and Jorah's kind of, because Jorah's, like, trying to be like, ah, I, I, I don't want to sit here and watch you just walk into this thing. Like, I don't really know what you're doing. This is a little, you're going down a path I can't follow. Um, and <laughs> Daenerys gives him this look that I don't think you can, I think looking, at least with the context we have now, I don't think you can construe as anything other than, like, very ominous. <laughs> like, it's, it's, sure. it's dark. It's like, oh, oh, that's... She, she, no, she, I, I, my read on it was she is, she is reveling in, in this woman's horrible, horrible demise. Yeah. yeah. And she, and she believes she is like the chosen, you know, savior of the world and is taking power with fire and blood. Um, and so it's really fascinating. And also the last sound you hear in the season is a dragon shrieking. It's not like the, yeah. the music is. I think Rumi and Jawadi does a really good job with her theme because it's it's this rolling sort of like oh this is kind of motivating and this is this is powerful but at the right. same time it's not necessarily like positive it's it's not you know mm. it's it's more of like a war a war role um, you get a little yeah. bit of it in the scene I think with her um, it's it, it's somewhere in there I think maybe when she's actually smothering Caldrogo you get just this really faint hints of it and then it builds up there's a little more like outright stated version of it uh in the the credits of the final episode um but yeah i don't know it's just, like the, the whole thing ch- really does change if you look at it in that way and in, in kind of the same way that like rob's stuff changes when you're looking at him knowing that like oh he's having fun here but like th- th- this is going to go horribly wrong um yeah and so i don't know it, it that's something that really fascinates me again talking about like the decisions and consequences of all these characters actions uh, as they as we follow their through lines through the show, because I think the show is ultimately about characters who have these very obvious flaws that you don't want to see because the show also does a good job of making you like them. <laughs> and so, like, yeah. there I don't know. It's 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 really cool. And uh, that was like I got just I was I was shocked. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's that's right there. <laughs> that's, you can you yeah. can read this right now. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, two things on that. One, it, there's a, it, it was weird when after Daenerys, quote unquote, saves all those those the the what they call the Lamb people, mm-hmm. that she turns to Jorah and says, "How do you say mission accomplished in Dothraki?" <laughs> um, and then the second the second thing. So I, I know some broad strokes about the end of the show, but I didn't. I, I haven't watched mm-hmm. it. So when I was watching this. Knowing some of the things and having read the books, I was like, well, just in the context, just in this season, erase everything yeah. else. Daenerys is a survivor of abuse, mm-hmm. uh, sexual abuse, of emotional abuse, of physical abuse. She she is a very traumatized person. And so a lot of that insistence and persistence that you see in the back half of the season is, I think, her going, I've been at the under the knuckle of so many people and so many things beyond my control, I'm going to be in control now. I'm going to make this thing is going to happen because I say it is because I, I'm just, I'm tired of my brother or a usurper or Illyrio Mm -hmm. or Drogo or whoever telling me what's going to happen. And I'm just going to do it. And she doesn't like lash out at Jorah because Jorah isn't like, no, you're dumb. He's like, I want you to be safe and I don't think this is okay. And she's like, I appreciate that, but I'm doing it anyway. And so to me that read as simply the the um, 
I don't want to say stubbornness, but just the insistence of like, no, I'm going, this is going to go my way because nothing else has. And I think that, and, and I, and that whole thing, when she was looking at Jorah, that look she gave Jorah, I took that as, oh, Jorah, you don't know. I'm, I'm immune to fire. Sure. Just as simple as a a thing of like, I'm, I'm, it, trust me, I could just tell you this, but it's going to be <laughs> so choice. Sure. When you leave and come back in the morning, which is kind of a funny thing. There's also- when Jorah and I think it was Jorah and Ricaro and somebody else are just like, well, guess it's time to go back and see if Daenerys is all crispy. Let's go, let's go check that out. Well, there's, there's a great uh, bit right before that, too, where Daenerys is like, I free you now. You can leave if you want. And then half the people just are like, oh, get out. <laughs> all right. Julie. I'm leaving. These people are crazy. That was, I really done. liked that. Because and they don't even have them, like, showing them making the decisions. They're just, like, in the background. You see people like, all right, bye. People just filter out. <laughs> I'm not That's doing great. this. Which is, I mean, it's really. But, yeah, but I, I know, but I know what you mean. I, I think within the context of the season, and I don't know what the showrunners knew at the time and what mm-hmm. Martin had told them and so, so on. But I... I, I think within the context of the season, it's all supposed to be very just agency and her uh, uh, holding on to her autonomy and exerting that and saying, I am not going to be the victim of things anymore. I'm going to be the reason that good things happen right. as opposed to the person that bad things happen to. But yes, then when you do know this stuff later about her, it's like, yeah. oh, is this maybe or, – or, or is it – even if it's not necessarily that thing, is it a good thing that yeah. that th- that later gets contorted into and, the bad thing? And I think that's it, um, it's part of what makes it so effective to watch her through the rest of the show is yeah. that it's like, oh, you know that she came from really horrible circumstances, and you know that like you get why she does the things she does, and like what instilled this in her, and what you know. Yeah. So I, I don't know it's it's really fascinating, and it was very cool to watch this time. I think. Yeah, and that I think she is a good person. And is it that that stuff just gets contorted by power or what? Yeah. Who knows? We'll, we, will, we will follow mm-hmm. it. But interesting stuff. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any last thoughts I had. Do either of you guys want to jump on something? I want to show who that who? is a buddy cop uh, drama starring Charles Dance and the actor that plays Braun. I don't Jerome, believe Jerome yes. Flynn. I don't believe Tywin and Braun get any scenes together, and I'm very disappointed by that. No, you're, that's not true. You get one, I believe. I think he. This is because I believe Tywin is the one who asks Braun. Oh yes, uh, uh, he's he's asking he, like where where what their names are or whatever, and like this is Braun, son of. You wouldn't know him, <laughs> and that was. The biggest laugh of this season, I think, for me, I had forgotten. Right, like, right, I may, knew it. Maybe, but, like, maybe this oh, yeah. that that was the, the inciting incident <laughs> sure. to me wanting this show. Then, All yeah. right, we'll, yeah. we'll say that the the delivery is perfect and it's it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, Do you guys know that uh, Jerome Flynn is a former pop singer? No, I didn't. Back in the I believe eighties, he was part of a pop duo called Robson and Jerome, and. Um, I do encourage you to uh, Google image that sure. experience. Because as we will hear later in the show, Jerome Flynn has a beautiful singing voice. Yeah, um, yeah no, Jerome Flynn's great. Bronze a great character. I love mm-hmm. all of his scenes. And um, yeah, the, the You Wouldn't Know Him is so good. There's also some great um, stuff from uh, Tyrion explaining to Tywin the like conflicks between the Hill Tribes. Where he's like, Shaga oh, yeah. has 
demanded blood money for the man who stabbed out so and so's eye, and like like the, yeah, he goes on, and this. then the moon men and the and the burned guys and those people, <laughs> yeah. and then and Ty was just like, it, it it's very much like a kid explaining to their dad the plot of Game of Thrones. <laughs> And then it ends... It's like when I would go to my mom and explain, like, everything that was happening yeah. in the Final Fantasy game I was right. playing. And she's like, I don't know what a queena is, but okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then also he's... She's uh, a good mom. Because he's explaining this in response to Tywin telling him that he's going to be in the Vanguard. Um, and then Tyrion's mm-hmm. like... He, he does this whole rant, and then he ends it with, like... If you're trying to kill me, there are easier ways to do it. And it's like, eh, it's very good. I don't know. Yeah. There, that that would a lot be of less detrimental to the war effort. <laughs> yes, yes. Right. <laughs> um, I, I really do love how they don't show that battle sequence at all. Like, they mm-hmm. show the aftermath mm-hmm. of it. I think that's a very clever way to, to cut costs. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know in the book if it actually has that battle in it. It does. Um, yeah, it, it does to a degree. Because Tyrion actually participates in it. Oh, okay. But I, I just love the idea that he gives this this wonderful speech, and they're all cheering him, half man, half man, and then they just run him over when they charge. I think that's great. <laughs> Shaga, son of dog. <laughs> um, um, I, I guess I think my last thought would just be I love how the show is able to build up to to big surprises like. Going back to the actual execution of Ned, up to that point, we've shown that Joffrey is petty and that he's he's like a spoiled brat. Mm-hmm. But we didn't know he was a monster. Right. <laughs> Until he's just like, hey, he's a traitor. Take off his head. <laughs> and it's great because there's a – they do a really good, good way of hiding – I mean, like, they show him still being spoiled and stuff, but um, – there's a scene where he specifically apologizes to Sansa and he's like, I know I've been horrible and I'm going to be better to you. And, and, you know, I, I, I want you to, to love me and, and everything. Like there's a scene where he tries yeah. to, or at least is pretending to be very like sweet and, and genuine to Sansa. Um, and so like, you kind of, you get that and you're like, Oh, he's just, just playing. Oh, maybe, maybe he isn't. Maybe, maybe there's some good in there. You know, maybe he is just like a spoiled kid and he'll grow out of it. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, you, you, you get into that and it's like, Oh, <laughs> well. Yeah. Um, For sure. I did have one more story question because uh, within the first five episodes, I was a bit confused about where Varys's motivations mm-hmm. kind of were, and I was I was a bit confused about that that scene where Arya is, is um, in the uh, dungeon and she hears him walking by. Right. Um. So Jorah, right before he saves Daenerys from the um. The guy with the, all the barrels of wine. Yeah. Um, yeah. He gets a note from Varys saying, you're pardoned. Yeah. Come home. Mm-hmm. So Why? I was a bit confused my, about that. My understanding is the implication is Varys was like, hey, you're pardoned because they're about to kill her. Go save her. Like, that That was... I. To, oh, okay. My understanding well, is that that that's supposed sense. to be like a, okay. like a warning. The timing um, on that's a little, uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, well, because yeah, Jorah was sent as a spy by Varys to, like... So, yeah, Jorah is a spy supposedly on behalf of the Seven Kingdoms. He's, like, supposedly, like, Robert's spy there. When... I guess the idea is that Varys knows that he is... Or is is actually trying to make sure that he keeps Daenerys safe. Something along yeah. those lines. Um, 
However, there is something I, I hadn't really thought about until I was looking, because I had the same question, like, watching the show. I was kind of like, what exactly is, is happening here? And I had to kind of, like, get that clarified. But and we can go on, on one more uh, book rant. Um, I don't remember if we talked about this last episode. I don't think we did. Um, basically, there's a whole thing where there's an entire different character that shows up in what would be around season five of the show um, in the books... And this character claims to be Rhaegar's son, who is shuttled away across the ocean and is actually also protected. And so, and the implication seems to be that Varys is actually in support of him. And so in the books, there's more of a thing where it's like Daenerys and Viserys may not necessarily be the the person that Varys is investing in. Because the Aegon, fake Aegon, um is, uh, as as the book readers call him, because there's a lot of implications also that he may not actually be the real... It may, it may yeah. all be a ruse, um, just to put a... And he was introduced so late yes. that, like, we, we don't have enough information to tell right. us. Um, and so the... Uh, basically, he's he's got the full force of Varys and Illyrio behind him, and he's got the, um, the gold company... Uh, the the sellswords who are like the best sellswords ever, and they're all with him. And so like he's got this all these armies, and he's about to go invade Westeros, um, which is none of that comes up in the the show. Spoilers, I guess. Britain, I don't know if you knew that already. <laughs> Spoilers that something <laughs> doesn't happen. Um, yeah. But uh, basically, that actually seems to be a little bit of what's coloring Varys's motivations in the early books. Here is that he's not he he wants Daenerys and Viserys to keep like to survive so that they can kind of continue to be this distraction or something, but he's actually not as concerned with keeping them protected. Like that's not, he's, he's, he's got eggs in different basket, dragon eggs in different baskets. Um, (laughs) And so that's sort of the implication is that that's why that was a little more coded and and why it might not have been like, why it seems like there was a very decent chance that Daenerys almost got uh, poisoned there because maybe he wasn't, as like determined to make sure he sur- or she survived, and then of course, moving forward with the uh, the show, at some point they probably realized we don't have time for this guy. George R. R. Martin doesn't know where he's yeah. going, so <laughs> we have to, to kind of <laughs> figure that out. And so maybe that just kind of got dropped. So for the show purposes, I think the idea is just basically he he was getting a warning to Jorah, and he timed it so that Jorah would get the warning and know that danger was imminent, and then he would go and save her. Um, but I, I think it is a little bit flimsy and I think that's probably because they were planning a little behind the scenes. They were planning on having more going on with the machinations of that, that never really panned out. So fun. (laughs) Um, I was going to say the last thing I, I, little detail I noticed here that I never thought about before, um, that I thought was neat was that Gendry uh, gets sent to the wall at the same time that Arya does. And I think mm-hmm. in, in previous times, and probably reading the books as well, I've just been like, oh, that's kind of an interesting coincidence. Um, but he mentions that his father, or not his father, his uh, master sent him off. And I, re- I just realized while watching the show that I wonder if the implication there is supposed to be that Cersei or Littlefinger or somebody mm. noticed that he was now used as a clue for two people who figured out Joffrey's true parentage right. and then paid off the master to send Gendry off. 
I thought that was interesting. That, that was, that was I, I wondered if it was that or if even the armor was like, hey, people keep sniffing sure. around about you. <laughs> I'm going to protect you and just send you to the wall. Because he says, like, my master got sick of me. And it's like, I don't think he did. <laughs> I think that he was trying to protect you. Or like you said, they were they decided yeah. to just get well, rid of Well, because his master um, is very seems very clear to know, or very clearly know that Gingery is great at blacksmithing. So it's kind of like... Seems yeah, like there I might mean, be more there. For sure. I mean, also, when when they, if you think back to the scene where Ned goes to visit visit him, he, he's like, you know, if he, if he ever if he ever wants to move on from just being a, a blacksmith, mm-hmm. you know, send him my way. And it's like immediately yeah. after Ned's condemned as a traitor. And yeah. Like, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> Too much heat on this guy. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I think that's all I have. I don't think I have anything else major. Who was who do y'all this might be something we can do each season. I don't know. Best death character you would have had live. My best death is Viserys. I think that's the one that is the most entertaining mm-hmm. to to watch. Uh and the one person I would have had live is probably Sirio. Uh sure. obviously this is without getting into all of the like because, of course, Ned. Ned is the obvious, like, I would have Ned live. But I know also if Ned lived, then the the, the show wouldn't have really happened. Right. <laughs> or it would just be very, very different. But I'm like, Sirio is someone who I think it would be cool to have him show back up later and be like, here I am, and then, like, kill a bunch of dragons <laughs> or something. I don't know. Sirio saves the day. <laughs> just like something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is this called Game of Thrones Season 8 subtitle Serio? <laughs> and then he's just walking around just like dispatching White Walkers and everything. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. My vote for both would be Ned because I think I think A, that's sure. so effective and B, I think it's really fascinating to think about what the story would be if you, if you do have him survive because then it's like okay, so he's alive Maybe, you know, this this quells the Stark rage, especially if the way he survives is by empowering Rinley, because that was really fascinating to me rewatching it this time. Is like Because yes. then also, like, Rinley gets dispatched, spoilers, I guess, for two episodes from now or something. Sure. Um, but, like, if, if the two of them had been able to kind of combine their powers and maybe shore up each other's flaws and be like, oh, we're, we're kind of in league now to some extent, and then they could actually, yeah. like, you know rule and then you know maybe you've got more of a war with stannis and you got a war with tywin where we're you know now it's there in the king's landing and yeah. then it reminds me a lot. there's a a board game called war of the ring um which i highly recommend it's a two-player game mm. of, of lord of the rings okay. this massive uh for for your board game layman's out there uh it's kind of like risk <laughs> but it's cooler um and uh <laughs> It's it's just very neat, and you you're basically one side's playing as the the forces of evil, and one side is playing as the fellowship, and you're trying to get the ring to Mordor. But there's all these like all the the events can come into play in different ways, and so you can kind of like have a completely different story um, in terms of how things That's end cool. up happening. And it's it's very much the same way with that. I think looking on this first season, where you're like, oh, if they if this had happened differently, these battles could have happened, and these people could have been against each other, and, like, what, who would have gone for who? And could oh, Rinley, because okay. Rinley then could, you know, you could, he's, um, yeah, he is uh, married already, I guess, to um, Marjorie. 
Marjorie? At this point, I think he's betrothed. Or betrothed. Well, I'm not sure. He, I think, he, I think they get married in the second. We'll one, answer the question. You might be right. We'll answer the question on the next episode. I think. Um, but yeah. uh, <laughs> basically, then it's like, oh, could he pull the power of the the Reach and and all of them and the the Tyrells? Can they all come and consolidate in King's Landing? And then it, you know, it just becomes a completely yeah. different, fascinating thing. And so, um, uh, yeah, I, I like that idea a lot of uh, for sure. Just seeing how that extrapolating out how that would have happened. I would have saved Lady. That's very sweet. Oh, okay, yeah. Because then she could have murdered Joffrey and finished the job that uh, that Nymeria uh, didn't. I really like the idea of the. It's the scene where Sansa and Joffrey are on the bridge, and Sansa's like stepping towards. I was just gonna say towards him, and then Lady just (laughs) tackles him off, (laughs) and then you just smash credits. <laughs> you know, everywhere you, you look, everywhere me. you look. <laughs> mm, good stuff. Yeah, lady's a good call, actually. Uh, I would say Serio, but it happened off screen. We don't know that he died. Didn't see a body. Maybe he'll come back as a dragon or something. Who knows? <laughs> but he still has the same voice and accent and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Design Serial Frel, the dragon. <laughs> I am the first dragon of Bravo. <laughs> That's very good. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Alright, what are you what are y'all thinking for, for grades for this season? Alex? Um It's really hard to to judge it because it's just such Correct. a solid season but it but it is one of those things where it's like but i'm thinking about how i think the show at least for the first half two-thirds like continues to get better and improve mm-hmm. so it's kind of like where, where do you want to set it i think we had this problem with like yeah when we watched the first fast and furious movie we were like wow this is actually this is actually kind of kind of good like but where do we <laughs> what's the standard yeah, where here? do we go from here um i'm gonna go with a minus I don't think it's a perfect season, but I think it's like a very, very good start. And going, I, I just want to just say that going back to kind of the thing that I pointed out that I thought was kind of weak about early on um, in terms of like production value, some of it felt very TV. This this whole half of the this, this season felt very consistent and very high quality yeah. um, that I never got taken out by, by any sort of element like that. Um but yeah, I, I think A minus just because I know at least for the next three seasons, um, I think things continue to improve. Mm-hmm. So A minus. Um, I'll do the same only because I know I, I have a similar confidence. I, I don't know the show as well as y'all do, but I I, I mostly don't want to like. I don't know. This is a really really good season of TV, but I also feel like. You know, we're just getting started. Right. So, yeah, A-minus for me, And, I mean, it it isn't a perfect season. Like, I I think we've broken down some, like, a lot of the the Daenerys, Cal Drogo stuff kind of drags it amongst other smaller issues. But it's not perfect, but it's it's really solid. I I am also going A-minus. I don't, I'm very interested to reevaluate how I feel, because I don't know if I've watched like at least all of season two and season three in a very long time. Um, 
and I'm mm. I'm very interested to reevaluate how I feel about that. I know I have gonna gonna throw yeah. a hot take out uh, up in the air, let it sit for a couple of episodes. I'm I'm not sure how I feel about Blackwater. Blackwater is 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 one of those episodes Ooh. that everyone says is the um the kind of the pinnacle of the show or one of the pinnacles. Um, I, I might we might come back and I'll be like, yeah, it's amazing. Never mind, <laughs> but. Have, I remember having rewatched that prior to season eight coming out and, and that being like the height of season two. And I just, I, I feel like there are some things that maybe get bolstered in the retelling. Um, and so, I don't know. I, I, I have yeah. some concerns about how interesting I'm going to find season two. And I think there's, gotcha. there's some other ones further along that I'm shaky about. Um, I But I do know that there are, I think at least, two seasons maybe three seasons i wonder which ones they are um that i mm-hmm. uh i would definitely place above this one or i expect to place above this one season eight season ah! eight season eight that's a four but and my... four makes eight <laughs> <laughs> Something. Um, my old alex arithmetic over here my uh well as so... we all know we can we can all count to 200 uh, sure um, talking about uh, <laughs> season eight being rushed, the internet. So you know, everyone wants to say it's rushed. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. say the the, the big because I really don't think that there's any like particular problems with season one, except for the fact that I think it dragged. So that's that's where my image is coming from. Hot take. Well, interesting. Well, then I must be the blood of the dragon, because that just felt like a take to me. <laughs> <laughs> I I think this is one of those shows where, like, I, the production value is so much higher than, like, anything on television. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. you know, I, I feel sort of like it's a, um, it's a, it's a Last Jedi situation i think we talked about that last episode with the subverting expectations and stuff not so much put put away all the criticisms i'm not i'm talking about that i'm just talking about the fact that like the production value the cast like everything is so good that i don't understand how someone can look at it and call it trash (laughs) like at any point it's it's just i know that like you know money putting money into stuff isn't everything and and like obviously 200 million dollar movies fail all the time or at least sometimes um but like the the actual like the way the resources are allocated the the craft put into the show i ju- i don't see like any of my grades going below like a b maybe i'll eat my yeah. words after a while and be like oh that was that was a terrible season i'll i'll drop it down but i really don't see that happening at any point through this it really is like and this so it was interesting to watch this season and go oh this was before HBO would just throw money yep. at them. Right. Like, this was when they were like, we may not get a second season. I don't know. Let's just, like, roll the yeah. dice. Which is um, insane because it Because I remember amazing. when the... When the <laughs> like <it's... yeah. laughs> oh, completely. Yeah. Because well, I, I remember when the show premiered and, like, people were starting to discover it. And I remember when Ned died. I didn't see it. But I remember the the planet just, like, freaking out because they couldn't mm-hmm. believe that this had happened. And and this was, like, before... This This was along with, like... Walking Dead, and earlier than that, like Sopranos and Lost, when a show could just take major characters out yeah. out of nowhere. 
but but Game of Thrones like really shocked everybody because if you hadn't read the books, you were like Ned is the main character, mm-hmm. like Ned's the hero of the story, and of course, forgetting that both in the first book and in the show after the opener, we go right into Bran's POV, yep. not Ned's. We actually start with Bran. Um, but it was, I mean, it, it was, it's interesting to watch this now and be like, oh yeah, this wasn't the biggest show on TV yeah. yet. <laughs> but that's okay, because they all yeah. smooth it out. There's no more twists from here on out, and uh, Rob's our new main character. So. Yeah, hooray for Rob! The King in the North. The King in the North. Norm of the North. <laughs> Anybody have any recommendations <laughs> for this week? Yeah, Norm of the North. Um. Yeah, Norm of the North. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if I've watched any. Uh, ugh. have y'all watched anything really cool lately? I'm trying to think if I have. I watched Moulin Rouge for the first time. <laughs> Not quite Game Pretty of Thrones. I think the majority of your your recommendations have been musicals. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm flexing true. those muscles a bit. You know, trying to. <laughs> Trying to, he's, to, he's coming over to the, coming over. Well, now that uh, West Side Story and Fiddler on the Roof are both on Netflix, no excuse. You, you got you you, got, you have six and a half hours, right? <laughs> I mean, apparently I've got ten hours. Sure. <laughs> Actually, I, I will say, in praise of Richard Madden, um, the Netflix miniseries Bodyguard. Mm-hmm is a really great showcase for him. Six episodes, about an hour each. Um, it is essentially a counterterrorism thriller, um, but is really deeply character-driven. And the, uh, one of the last scenes is very moving, and I found myself getting all teary. Richard Madden gives a really great performance. Keely Hawes is in it, and she's fantastic. Um yeah, I remember watching it, and I'm not always in for, like, that kind of material, but watching it, I was like, they managed to, to get a lot out of just a single, like, negotiation scene will take, like, 20 or 30 minutes, but they get so much tension out of it. Like, it's a really impressive bit of pacing and uh, just a really great showcase for for our king in the north, Rob. There you go. Um. Yeah. Tyler, you watched, any, you watched or done or read anything dear cool? Dear viewers, you will remember uh, two weeks ago I said I was not going to play The Last of Us 2. Um, but instead I have <laughs> oh, yeah. played The Last of Us 2. Because um, I am not on this up here for a second. And um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have much. I'm, I'm like maybe a third of the way through, if that. So I'm not, I'm not going to comment on anything right now. I, I will say... Um, I complained also, I think it was two episodes ago, about the subtitles on HBO Max, right? You know, I was talking about how they're, they're very, like, yeah. clunky and they take up half the screen. Well, The Last of Us 2, you go into those subtitles, you got options. You got <laughs> they, you got sizing, you got, you know, you can, you can go big, you can go small, whatever you want to do, you can get that. Because, per- like, you know, a lot of those video games, you'll be like, oh, I want to turn on my subtitles. And you, you got these, like... It's it's very tiny. You can't really read it if you got a bigger TV. You're just like, well, okay. Right. Um, I you can. Ch- I, I was just hoping you were gonna go with the exact opposite and say they were going so much for realism. No <laughs> subtitles. Not even an option. <laughs> There's a subtitles option. Can, can, and you click can on you... it and it just doesn't have anything. It just. <laughs> 
can you can you make it colorful like yes. in Slumdog Millionaire? So it's like blue or no? What? No, that's what I was gonna say. You've got you can change you can set it so that you can say there's a particular color for the name of the character, or you can have it assign colors to the different characters who are speaking. So you can see like, oh, this is this person, and then you like immediately <laughs> associate with that. It's it's wonderful. My recommendation for this week is the subtitles for The Last of Us Part Two. All right. <laughs> I love that there's like a subtitles UI it's in that great. game. I mean, it really is the That's equivalent awesome. of, of older DVDs advertising interactive menus as a special feature. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of my favorite things to see on the back of a DVD box. I'm like, oh, I can do scene selection? Well, wedding planner, I think you and I are going to have a lot of fun. I can go to languages and select the subtitles? <laughs> I wonder what options they have for the topography. Now, catch me if you can. I really would like to listen to to watch this in Dolby Digital. <gasps> it's here. <laughs> the legends are true. Actually, the the my Game of Thrones Blu-rays they they do this thing where like this is the first show that's presented in like HBO Dolby RS like some <laughs> magical new sort of newfangled Valyrian audio <laughs> or something. And uh, I turned it on. Sounds like TV to me. <laughs> Maybe I'm just old, but I was like, I, yeah, that's what it, that's what they talk like. I don't know what you. Okay. Maybe it's my TV. This or is something. the part where you invest five hundred dollars in a sound system that like a surround sound system in your yeah, living room. Yeah, and, you know, really get the most out of your Valyrian steel audio. Because I really want every time Igret goes, "You know nothing, Jon Snow." I want my house to shake. <laughs> Though. Somebody's into it. Somebody's into it. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, uh, Rose Leslie's got a great voice. I just want my roommate like playing video games in this room to be like, oh, I guess Jon Snow's being ignorant again. I mean, somebody has to have made a supercut of of her saying that over and yes. over again. But like I'm, the bass is most just most likely maximized. Oh, and. Hey, here's a fun recommendation: the bad lip reading video yes. of Game of Thrones, done like a like a like a carnival yes. uh, comedy. It is movie. wonderful. It's hilarious. <laughs> there's there's so many scenes in the show where I was watching it and I was like, I know that this is like a serious thing in the TV show, but I re- <laughs> like Jamie going, "Why won't you just get a gravity belt <laughs> or something?" I'm like, "No, nah, hang on." <laughs> it's good stuff. Oh, good stuff. You can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HCTSequels. Uh, you can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. And you can also find us on iTunes and SoundCloud and Spotify. We got options, like like the last of us two subtitles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, and I think next week you'll be able to find us at Dragonstone. Ooh. What do you think? Uh, uh, what are, what, are what t- fun mm- things will happen there? Is... I don't know, but I bet there's a young lady who's also an old lady. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone, get your little finger bags. and Not like your, your finger bags that are small, not your bags of little finger. Um, get your little finger I- bags. It's just... It's just... Felt bags with uh, yep. Peter Baelish's face on it. It's good stuff. I, I've, 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 <laughs> I'm changing my buddy cop comedy pitch, my buddy cop pitch. 
uh, Sir Davos is also a part of this group. Sure. He's their, he's their like... I'm uh, very excited to see him. Handler. He's, he's like the Q, maybe, or the either the <laughs> yeah. Q or the M. One of the one of them letters. And get, the one who's always like, you're going to have to give me your badge I, and gun. I, just, oh, <laughs> I, I, was thinking, I was thinking Lady Olena would be their, their like, also police good. captain. <laughs> that would be great. I just really want every time they, like, find a dead body for <laughs> Tywin to go, you going to say something clever? Go on, say something <laughs> clever. <laughs> and, then oh, he, and then Bronn just looks at the body. You wouldn't know him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm headed to Dragonstone. I'm Ben Britton. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably just immediately going to start watching Game of Thrones Season 2. So there you go. That's that's my <laughs> evening. Uh, I've been Alex. I've been Tyler, and you're having a good night.